When the change comes. Hello and welcome to Music Life Radio. We're going to start off this episode with a song from my guest today, Wendy DeRosa. This song was recorded live in the Music Life Radio studios. Slow down your beating heart. You've been restless and wandering out. Come back and breathe in slow. You're about to feel magical And when the change comes you'll be ready When the change comes you'll know And no seeking outside No letting your love leave your side When the change comes you're gonna smile for a moment while just when you ask for it the change comes and patterns stay when the mind strays presence gives you fears to face deeper and deeper you go cause you know what's possible Change comes, you'll be ready When the change comes, you'll know And no seeking outside No letting your love leave your side When the change comes, you're gonna smile For a moment, it's wild Just when you ask for it change comes and love is not just between you and me it's limitless if you let it be it's healing to the wounds inside let you leave them all behind and who Change comes, you know, and no seeking outside, no letting your love leave your side. When the change comes, you're gonna smile for a moment. It's wild just when you ask for it, the change comes. Music means that life force is flowing, and in that flow it has many different expressions, many different expressions. For me, it's so, it's so diverse. There's so many parts of me that are very comfortable in all aspects, in, in, in various different parts of music, I'll say it that way. And I can, I can see where I become alive in hip-hop or I become alive in country or I become alive in jazz or just in popular music. 
I think music is just a way of your heart expressing, singing, performing, living. Yeah. Welcome, Wendy, to Music Live Radio. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. On board. Um, so where did you grow up? What kind of music were you listening to? And how did you get interested in music to begin with? Okay. I grew up in an area called Huntington and then moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut. So that would say my primary years up until nine years old were sort of in that in that area. And then in high school, we moved to Washington Depot, Connecticut. And I started playing music... When I was five, mm-hmm. my mom took my brother and I down with guitars that were way too big for us <laughs> down to our, our local church, and there was a church music class going on, and my mom just drops my brother and I off <laughs> and says, have fun, kids. Here's and some we, guitars. Here's, here's some guitars going. <laughs> going. So they, they had some, um, I guess, some women who were part of the whatever it was, like a church um, youth group. And they took us into this room. And I remember walking into this room and there must have been, you know, 20, 30 people with guitars in their hands. And there's a man standing in the front of the room holding up cue cards with different letters on it, which, you know, I know now were chords. Um, But I remember being, I mean, kind of blown away by the sound that was coming that was coming forward as I was walking into the room and also incredibly intimidated. <laughs> and um, I definitely have a, a part of my personality that does not like to um, uh, look stupid, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially at five years old. So here I am walking in there, not knowing how to, how to play and, uh, and, and the guitar being too big for me. And I, re- I sat there with this guitar on my hands and my, my brother was next to me and I was really confused about, you know, what, what to do. And I was just holding the neck and I just started crying because I, I didn't know how to play. (laughs) I didn't know how to do it. (laughs) And so the girls, one of the women took my brother and I down into another room and started teaching us the chords. And that was my first guitar lesson. And, um, and then I actually didn't play that much after, that I think I we went to a couple more lessons, and then in fourth grade I played in the marching band. They played the flute, and then I started piano in fourth grade, and I played that till I was seventeen. All the while I was I was taking vocal lessons, singing in um, theater performances and choirs and lots of show tunes. <laughs> jazz so it really stuff. was a big part of your life right off the bat. Right off the bat, that was at least once you got to fourth grade, it sounded like. Yeah. Yeah. And and just things like I remember even in the Huntington house when we, we grew up, I, w- I lived there till I was eight or nine. And um, I remember my mom playing, we had a record player. I remember listening to Hard Day's Night, the Beatles. She played Peter Pan a lot because I was mm-hmm. named after Wendy, <laughs> after that Wendy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, I just remember he- like hearing music my parents playing. My mom always had a radio playing in the house all the time, 24-7. There was always a radio. Playing music? Playing music. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned yeah. Beatles and Peter Pan. What were some of the other songs that you remember hearing? I'm trying to remember what my, like that far back. I, a lot of show tunes. My mom was really hmm. into theater. She was a theater major. Yeah, I just remember a lot of different show tunes. Hmm. I remember Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah. 
West Side Story. I just remember a lot of those those songs. And then as time, you know, as time went on, I, you know, just I got into pop music. I remember getting my first Madonna album, <laughs> my first <laughs> Cyndi Lauper album. But then when it came to um, high school, my brother was really into jazz. And I, whatever my brother was into, I was into, you know, okay. I would, whatever he liked, you know, I would follow him. I just thought it was cool to like jazz, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. I actually ended up really really enjoying jazz and and but mainly blues and blues is what I really got into in high school. I remember just specifically listening to Muddy Waters, Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones and um and jazz and that was like the those were the primary sounds I was I was taking in at that time. And then when I went off to college I I didn't bring an instrument with me and I couldn't I didn't couldn't bring my piano. I didn't have a keyboard. We just had an upright piano. And just to backtrack, you know, we didn't grow up with very much in my family. I have seven brothers and sisters and oh, so okay. my parents worked really hard to provide for the kids and we were really cultured for not having very mm-hmm. much, you know, financially. And my dad one day traded a piano. He was a painting contractor. He traded a piano for a paint job or traded the paint job for the piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that we, we could play something, so we could play an instrument. And mm-hmm. that was when I was in fourth grade. And then he traded piano lessons for um, for the paint job, same, same wow. teacher, same person. And so that's how I started playing the piano was my dad, you know, trading for us to have lessons you know, I played up until I was 17. And and after that, I, you know, I got it. I was working. I just got kind of moved away from, I wasn't practicing as much. Mm-hmm. And then when I went off to college, I didn't take an instrument with me. But um, when I was 20, it's when I re-picked up the guitar again. I picked it up again after 15 years, you know, yeah. <laughs> being five years old. So I I st- I just taught myself the guitar and I I had the piano background and I you know I could sight read and I had a good ear and I was really good at watching musicians play and going home and practicing what I saw. I worked at the at this time I was in Colorado, made my way to Boulder and I was um working at the Fox Theater. I remember I was working security, <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes that meant being like monitoring the backstage door. And so the advantage to monitoring the backstage door is you could see that you could see the bands play. And um, I remember just sometimes watching their chord changes and their fingering and, and I would just memorize it and then go home and, and practice what I saw. And then um, I was at CU in Boulder and University of Colorado in Boulder. And I, um, I remember just, practicing playing sometimes up to seven hours a day and the guitar just playing over and over and over and just really accelerated um my playing and writing music at the same time and I was just way more into music and being a you know m- being a singer songwriter and musician than I was at school going to school were you playing out at that same time at coffee shops and stuff like that or? I had just started you know just open mics I, oh, okay. I I think I knew three chords and I went to play my first open mic and it was a blue like I, I knew a blues song it was in Steamboat Springs Colorado and I went and played 
it was a progression. You know, I started with open mics and then you get the coffee shop gig yeah. and then it progresses <laughs> from there. Yeah, it's a good place to cut your chops. Mm-hmm. I think everybody has done that in the folk community that I know of. I mean, I hooked up with Greg Volker by going to one of these open mics and just watching people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then uh, I was like just blown away by his... Uh, his music, and so I walked up to him. I said, "Hey, man, we've got a band. We could be your backing band." <laughs> and so we kind of did this, you know, Neil Young and Crazy Horse type of band with him being the singer, Greg Bolker and Deer Crossing. Is what mm-hmm. we became, so oh, so we got so to cool. do some folk music too. So it was pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> I never actually went and played in any of the open mic nights, but I used to hang out with, with people. So what made you uh, move to Colorado? You, were you going to school there? Is that why you went there? Or Well, it's interesting. No, I um, I moved to Colorado because I had a, a pretty deep calling to move to Colorado. I never, I've never been there before. I was 19. Actually, I was maybe just 20 when I moved to Colorado. And I, um, I just felt this really strong pull out there and... I mean, even to this day, Colorado pulls me. It's it's just a place that I'm very heartfelt attached to and connected to. Um, at the time, I didn't know I didn't know what I was going out there for, and um, I realized. I mean, basically, I was realizing that it was it was the place that was going to pry you know pry me open. That was going to teach me. I was going to learn. Um, you know, how to live on my own, how to grow. It was where mm-hmm. I was sort of like reborn. <laughs> as, yeah. As cliche or as that just the sounds. next stage in your life, really. Yeah. Everybody's kind of got to get past that uh, that stage of, you know, being dependent on mm-hmm. your parents and, you know, moving out on your own, whether you're going to college or the, the military or the Peace Corps or whatever. Yeah. I think everybody kind of makes that step at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's still like every there's so many memories about that time period and so much growth that had happened in the almost 10 years that I was in Colorado. Um, I didn't move to, I moved to Steamboat Springs first for a year and then um, got residency and then went to, applied to Boulder, CU Boulder, and, and then moved down there. But um, it was just a really big calling. And, and that's actually where I found my healing teacher and and that's I started getting into healing work, intuitive healing work, as I was doing mu- music. What uh, got you interested in doing the healing work? Well, <laughs> so this is it's interesting because the healing work or the intuitive ability that I have has always coincided with music. I just didn't I didn't really realize it was going on. So being the second oldest and oldest girl of eight kids i was um i just had a lot of responsibilities and i was very sensitive and very in tune to caretaking people okay, yeah. and um i was also really 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 sensitive to a point where um i could walk into a room and and know what someone's going through or or um you know i can tell if this person has a headache or this person separated from their partner you know i could just I, I just had all this like an overload of information and I mm-hmm. it was overwhelming to me yeah. and I 
I, I thought there was something wrong with me. And, and the, um, it was a pretty intense time at 19 because what really the impetus was to move to Colorado was I actually had a breakdown mm. in, in, I was like going to school in Boston. Um, and I my first year of college and I, I had a, I had a nervous breakdown because I was so energetically or emotionally over overwhelmed. Um, I guess I was just really sensitive <laughs> and, uh, and so I moved to, to Colorado following this like, calling to move out there after a year of living in steamboat. I just had a, a, I mean, I worked at a coffee shop. I snowboarded, I played the guitar. I, you know, I just decompressed for a year. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I finally got to Boulder, I had a, I was in a car accident. I was actually in a couple car accidents where I was rear ended. Ouch. Um, yeah. And, and, and I went to go see a, um, chiropractor and the chiropractor had a massage therapist in the office and I was there getting massage, getting massages from her. And she said one day, you know, I, I really feel like you have this ability to do, and I think you're, you might have this ability to be intuitive and, and it, you can really help people. And my mom's a, an intuitive healer, a spiritual teacher. She can help you develop it. And so I thought, well, I'll just go visit with her. I'll go receive a session from her and see how I feel. And, and so that's that I went to see her and, um, she just affirmed that, you know, this, this could be worked with to help people. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be something you have to struggle with. And there's ways you can work with it so that mm-hmm. you're of being of service to people. So I studied with her for almost two years or about two years. And, um, and then when I, when I stopped, when I stopped or the classes ended, um, I was really gung ho on being a musician. I mean, this was like, not, no one could stop me. So that helped you <laughs> kind of supercharge you to get back into music as well as, well, it, it was always happening. Yeah. I mean, music was always going on, but I, I didn't want to accept that. I didn't want to bring that part of me into, uh, into mainstream, you know, it, it, the, the intuitive part, I think it's like, it's, you know, people think it's weird. It's threatening. It's, you know, it's, it's a woo woo, <laughs> you know, it's just not, it wasn't a part I w- of me I was ready to expose. And so what I do is I really, I mean, for f- I don't know, four years, five years, I really didn't do any intuitive work other than trading with the people who I was in classes with, my healing class with, Mm -hmm. or friends. And I was, um, I just pursued on my path of being a musician and I was in bands and eventually what ended up happening was that I, I had a band in Denver called Mosaic. And then, and then when we broke up, we broke up mainly because we were all going in different directions, but also because I wanted to move to the Bay Area. Oh, okay. That and point. yeah, and that was where in the Bay Area is, it's the same kind of calling I had to go to Colorado where I felt like there was something next. Mm-hmm. So I I moved to the Bay Area and I um, and I moved to pursue music and I I did the singer-songwriter thing out here in the Bay Area and um, had a band, just... Um, guys I musicians I'd hire to play and um and but I'd tour as a singer songwriter and while I was touring I would trade healing sessions 
for, you know, if I stayed at a friend's house, I would give her a healing session mm-hmm. in exchange for staying. And, and, um, and then to make a long story short, it was just one referral after another just kept coming in and coming in. And I had to basically, I didn't have a price structure in place. I didn't have, I didn't know how to, how to really do the a business around yeah. <laughs> healings, but there was, the phone was ringing and, and music was um, happening, but I had to, I made a conscious choice to start a healing practice. Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting. We skipped ahead a little bit. Let's go back to Colorado um, and talk about the first band that you were in when you, when you were mm-hmm. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, the first band, well, it was called Mosaic. How did you meet with the people that were in this band? It was mainly myself and um, this amazing singer, Jessica Goodkin, and she um, was in various bands in Boulder and in Denver already, and um, just a really great musician and a fabulous singer. And um, and so she and I just started getting together to sing harmonies. And so it was just me on guitar and both of us, you know, harmonizing. And um, we just, it just worked. We had this really sweet sound together. And so we would just, we, we had a regular gig at a, a bar in Denver that we would play every Sunday and that that was our regular thing and then out of that we started to accumulate musicians and then <laughs> it developed into a full um groove rock band okay groove rock do you mm-hmm. have any did you do any recordings um only live recordings oh, okay. we never did any studio recordings we weren't together for that long mm-hmm. maybe a year and a half two okay. years maybe a lot some of the songs I, I, I some of the songs I still I have recorded they're just not recorded with that okay. particular yeah. band but uh, these are songs that you put on your glow CD yeah okay yeah okay good well the glow album is interesting because just that you mentioned it because um after the band broke up and I was there was a six month period where I was I knew I was I was planning to move to the Bay Area and in that six month period is when I um, recorded the glow album by myself, you know, separate from the mosaic project. And, mm-hmm. and I used uh, studio musicians on that album. It was a transitional time. Mm-hmm. And it was also, it was also a, um, kind of an immature time for me musically. I think that whole period, even though, I mean, it, there was a lot of growth during that time, but it was also, I feel like my sound, like I have matured much more as a person and so is my sound. And, and, you know, it's like when you're trying to pursue music, you're, I should say, I was at the time just really pushing from a place of wanting to get somewhere, you know, musically. And, and I just know that that the glow album, because it felt like it was such a transitional time in my life at the 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 sound of the album felt like it's a, it was a transitional mm-hmm. you know i think that now when i looking back like every song on the album is very different mm-hmm. and that's what the the engineer that's what the producer was aiming for okay for each song to sound very different and i and there probably are all aspects of me but now looking back i think you know it, we're, we're our worst critics i'm sure there are things <laughs> i would have done differently yeah yeah <laughs> So. so it's definitely not the album you would make today. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Here's the song Speed Bump from Wendy DeRosa's album Glow.
All right, so then you made it to the Bay Area. What were you doing musically in the Bay Area? I mean, you recorded this album. Were you then going around touring, uh, uh, yeah. basically playing those songs by yourself? Uh-huh. Were you hiring musicians to, to tour with you? or? Yeah, I um, I hit the road pretty quickly when I moved to the Bay Area. I started touring right away, and I would co- go up and down the coast. And then I would do loops from the Bay Area to, to back to Denver and then down through New Mexico. I don't even remember. Oh, I did Texas. Yeah. And South by Southwest. The, then coming back across. So I would do like big loops of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that until I ran myself pretty broke. <laughs> 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 and then I got into a relationship in the Bay Area. And, and that's what kind of grounded me here yeah. a little bit more. And I, um, he was also a professional drummer and kind of like a... Uh, I guess a partner musically Mm -hmm. and with his help, I was able to pull in and place with some really great musicians here in in the Bay area. And I mean, that played in the band. Mm -hmm. Um, What was one of your favorite musical moments of playing out live ever? Sure. We opened for Digital Underground once. That was pretty fun. Okay. And was that with the Mosaic, <laughs> that was a mosaic Band? band. Yeah. There is one gig that, that stands out. I played the South Park Music Festival the first time I played it and it and it was just me solo playing at the at the festival and I I just remember again it's I think it's the experience of being in the mountains in Colorado and South Park is a very small town it's one street (laughs) and um and i just had a huge crowd around and i just felt like it was one of those moments where you're i was vocally on and my guitar playing was on and people were dancing and and i just felt like imbalance with in like that that synchronistic kind of i'm out i'm giving and they're giving back to me and i'm giving and they're giving back to me and it's just this very kind of co- continuity this flow between myself and and the people and then just even my I can still like see the sound see the sights and hear the sounds and smell the smells of of mm-hmm. the environment <laughs> it was just this beautiful mm. day and this beautiful festival experience probably one that stands out the most oh that's nice any uh road stories gone awry type of situations where like maybe ended up with a flat tire. Oh yeah. (laughs) I think everybody has them. (laughs) I broke down in, um, Eureka or maybe it was the Arcata or Arcata up in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I broke down my, I I don't know, even know what it was that went (laughs) actually maybe the radiator. Uh I don't even know, but I definitely didn't have enough money to fix it. And I pulled into, you know, one of those mom and pop gas stations and the guys like, you know, you're going to have to leave your car here till Wednesday. We can't get the part. And I said, I was like, you don't understand. I have a gig at in six o'clock in Ashland, Oregon. <laughs> like I've got like, I, I, was it Ashland or it was Eugene? I think it was Eugene I had to get to. Mm-hmm. I was um, pretty persistent and he was not happy with me at all and not coming from an abundant 
financial background, yeah. my dad was not happy to get the call <laughs> <laughs> saying, You're Dad, where? I'm, I'm in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> I'm in Northern California, and I need to get to Eugene, and I need $550. <laughs> but he did it. He threw down the huh. <laughs> credit card, and he they fin- they fixed it right there, and I I just waited and... And then got in the car and hauled, like hauled it, <laughs> and then got pulled over oh, no. <laughs> in and Northern California. <laughs> and the cop says, and I, I was like, you, I'm like, you, you don't understand. <laughs> I was like, I, I said, if you pull me over, and I, I was really at this point, I was so panicked about getting to the gig on time. And I, I was like, I really, I have to, I have to get to this thing. And, and I'm telling you, if you give me a ticket right now, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to speed the rest of the way. I just told him and he goes. <laughs> and then I st- and then I I was so upset. I started crying and he said he said, "You know, I can't let you off just cuz you're a pretty girl crying." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn it. You're like, oh, well, just whatever, make work. it fast. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me a ticket and I sped the rest yeah. of the way to Eugene. <laughs> did you make it to the gig on time? I did. I made it to the gig on time. Well, that's not such a bad story. Yeah. That's not With, too bad. If that's the worst that happened to you, that's not too bad. Yeah, no. It was like with seconds I got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned your mom was in theater, mm-hmm. and so she must have had singing at least... But what, were your parents musical? Was your dad musical? I mean, it sounded like he supported you guys musically. Yeah. There was music on my dad's side of the family. He had some a cousin who was a musician, but he wasn't himself a musician. He just really appreciated it. And he, I mean, my dad just loved whatever his kids did, you know, like he would mm-hmm. do anything to support us. And music and theater and performance definitely ran more on my mom's side of the family, but we all had to play an instrument mm-hmm. and, and we had to pick something. So every one of us almost, oh, there's one brother who, maybe one, one brother who didn't, mm-hmm. but um, he was just more of a sports guy, but yeah. everyone played an instrument. So they thought that was pretty important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they just wanted us to have you don't know have be cultured mm-hmm. <laughs> some way now yeah, that's good enough i am i ended up taking piano lessons when i was a kid mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years and i probably would have continued it but at that point my mom had passed away and so mm. i ended up stopped taking the lessons and i never got back into it and i didn't get back into music until i got into college <laughs> and i really wish i would have been you know playing all along because <laughs> yeah. i feel like i missed 10 years or so well but, uh, there was there was some gaps in my playing too and mm-hmm. piano and i i remember because I was very self-motivated on the piano, but I had friends whose parents were just like, get it, you know, sit down and practice. Yeah. And I remember at 17 feeling like, I'm not as good as my friends who've been forced <laughs> to practice. And I remember uh-huh. saying to my dad, why didn't you force me? You know, like, why didn't you yell at me more? <laughs> <laughs> because you'd be a different person <laughs> today. <laughs> uh, let's get back into um, your your work. I know you, mm-hmm. you also do yoga instructing. I don't know if you do that anymore. I'm not really teaching yeah. public classes right now. But so but. your main focus is, is in uh, intuitive energy healer. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is and what you do for people, for your clients? Yeah. Being intuitive or even having the, the sight, the, the vision, I'm able to see energy in, in people based on whatever it is going on for them. So mm-hmm. people will have a range of 
either physical conditions or emotional stuff or just blockage or they'll be have questions about their life path or things aren't flowing, whatever it may be. And I, I look at the energy and I look at their energetic body to see what's what's blocking, what's holding. And, um, and then I help them clear the energy in their body. And the way we do that is, um, is that I'll identify where I'm seeing it. And then through awareness, just bringing their attention to that area and then breathing into it. And then I'll help them just help them energetically release it. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd say it's a gift to be able to see and sense the music, uh, the music, the, music. <laughs> the, 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 the blockage, energy. the yeah. energy. Yeah. So that's what I do. And I, I've, um, I've just been, it's been amazing. I never thought it was going to be what I would do mm-hmm. in life, but it's definitely more of a calling than it is like a chosen. I mean, I had to choose it after I felt yeah. called to it. <laughs> you first started to have you basically you said you ended up having like a panic attack or Mm -hmm. a a, a breakdown because you didn't know you didn't understand why you were so sensitive and stuff Mm -hmm. and so then you went on and what was it like when you met for the first time with this uh healing worker Mm -hmm. uh were you nervous to go i mean what did you think about i mean how much did you know about the this intuitive uh, side well i didn't know anything i i didn't i i mean i think i i knew you know i'd read astrology i'd read about my sign i'd Mm -hmm. read about the shot maybe i knew about the chakras like i knew like i'd read about them i remember my i mean i was nervous the first time i i went to see her and and there were six of us in the class and, and it was it met every week and I remember sitting the first time she asked us to see something, like to close your eyes and look through your third eye and and to look at something. I remember we had to look at something specific, but I remember seeing an arrow pointing up, like a Mm -hmm. beautiful golden lit up arrow, and it was pointing up. And I just, I broke down crying. Like I just, (laughs) it was like seeing a sign. And Mm -hmm. and to me it meant, I mean, I can't even explain it. It was like it meant, it meant that I was going up. That's what it felt like mm-hmm. to me. Like I was going up, whatever that was, like up in awareness or. Like it was the right path. Like it was the right, like yeah. I was, it was a sign. Yeah. yeah. Like you're on the right track. <laughs> um, and I couldn't, and everyone in the class was like, what is up with you? And I I couldn't explain. And you said, yeah, that's right. It's up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Was I that like a big it. aha moment for you? Or was there something later on after you'd been to a lot more of the classes? Well, I do remember, I mean, the process when you're learning energy work is that you have to heal. You have to go through the work yourself because um, there's no way you're going to be able to be of service or help someone else if we're not, you know, if I'm not working on my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there was a lot of self healing and self like, you know, working out your family stuff and working out, you know, your patterns and the b- negative belief systems that we hold. And, you know, I just I had to work through all my stuff. And I remember very close to the end of 
the time we had together with the class, I remember the teacher asking us each to reflect on the question, when was the best time of your life? When was the best time of your life? Just think about it. And I just remember sitting there going, now, now is the best time of my Mm -hmm. life. Like I feel amazing. I feel good. I feel like I've I've done a lot of work and I, I and, and I just felt like I was feeling the benefits of all the energy healing I had done on myself. Is there a parallel between traditional therapy and what you do? Mm-hmm. Can you can you uh, comment on that at all? Yeah. Well, I I'll say that I I am a big fan of traditional therapy. I think it's great. And I have I, I would say a, a, a huge I won't give the exact percentage, but a huge percentage mm-hmm. of my clients are psychotherapists. And so, wow, interesting. yeah, it is interesting. And, and I feel like psych, this, in my experience and just what I've observed, even the, the psychotherapy field is just so expanded and broadened mm-hmm. and, um, you know, incorporates Eastern thought and Western thought. And, and I, I think that there's so many people out there in the world with, so many different ways of thinking about themselves, about life, about process, that there's always going to be some person or method that's going to meet each individual. Mm -hmm. So I think with psychotherapy and energy healing, I mean, really, I I was actually, I was writing this out today in in a um, portion of the book I'm writing, but people with psychotherapy, you're talking out your your issues, which is definitely approaching it from a conceptual point of view. And with energy healing, you're you're addressing more where the energy is stored in the body. Mm-hmm. But when we bring awareness to our our stuff, quote unquote, we are, and we we get to talk it out. We're actually energy healing. Yeah. So talk therapy is, in a way, if we're if we're having these aha moments or these breakthroughs, we are making shifts and and um and bringing attention and awareness there is growth happening and that's changing the energy in the body and energy healing the same thing it's it, you, there's elements of talk therapy that's in energy healing as mm-hmm. well so they definitely parallel each other and I, I think both are very both are great both are valid and helpful the goal is the people. same just to kind of bring awareness and and to help repair issues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I would say the one thing is it with this, and this is just in my own experience with, um, with clients who have gone to, you know, more than 10 years or so of talk therapy and say, well, I want something more. I want (laughs) to go deeper. Um, if we are only staying in the head and conceptualizing the problems and not dropping into the body, then there is a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And then there is, you know, then, then the person might want to seek more, um, you know, energy healing or the spiritual, they kind of go through the, the spiritual or the soul mm-hmm. to access um, a deeper understanding. So that's when they might seek out energy healing too. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you're writing a book. I know you've already co-authored a book uh, entitled Bouncing Back, Thriving and Changing Times mm-hmm. and made it on the bestsellers list on Barnes & Noble in April of 2010. Who did you? How did you get involved uh, with this project, and who else is uh, in the book? Dr. Wayne Dyer is in the book, mm-hmm. and John Asaraf and Brian Tracy are some of the uh, authors that are in the book, and um, lots of other 
um, leaders in the self-help personal growth field. And it's a collection of essays written by each one of us has contributed an essay, uh, our, our own personal bouncing backstory. And um, my chapter in the book is about turning over sensitivity into powerful intuition. Yeah, I read so it. Now. It's on the long, along the same lines of um, how I got into what I was just explaining, how I got into it. But the the actual getting into this book is kind of a bouncing backstory in itself, <laughs> <laughs> because I actually had a. Um, in 2008, I had a head injury and then followed by um, two car accidents, and um, I was in a lot of pain. And I wrote an article about being in pain and what, how to approach being in pain from a conscious perspective, mm-hmm. how to breathe through it, like how to actually work with being in pain and, and what it feels like when you're in pain and it's not visible to anyone else around mm-hmm. you. You know, when you're in chronic pain or head injury, I mean, I looked normal to people, but I was yeah. having a completely different experience. Um, anyway, I wrote this article, and and at the time, I had to take four weeks off of work, and my um, intern at the time, she sent the article to a couple websites to be published, and one of which was um, this particular website that I um, received an email from them asking if I'd be interested in contributing to the book okay so it was uh it wasn't the pain one obviously it was this other yeah so i wrote a different yeah Yeah. it wrote a different have you written a lot of different uh essays Mm -hmm. that pain yeah that one on pain um Mm -hmm. is in is is on my website yeah okay but i have written a few others that are up there too yeah i know you've got a quite a few articles on your website that Mm -hmm. you've written and you send out a newsletter Mm -hmm. Uh i send out a newsletter and, yeah. and you you also offer free conference calls where you talk about different subjects mm-hmm. as well, right? So right. people are interested, they can go to your website. What's your website? It's www.heldinlight.com. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what is this other book that you're working on now? I'm really excited about it because it actually culminates. It combines music and energy healing. And oh, great! In this, in initially, it was going to be a book on the chakras and but uh from the perspective of how to do self-healing so initially it was going to be a book now it's it's transforming to where it's a little bit more like a workbook manual and the and it's going to come with seven guided meditations for each chakra which i've recorded already in denver this summer and um i just want to talk a little bit about the the recording process because it was pretty awesome um, is my actually my first experience using Logic, which is okay, a yeah. pretty awesome program <laughs> to use. But um, I worked with my old guitar player J.T. Nolan. He's in a, a band in Denver called The Lovely and Talented. He's got an amazing musical sense, and we created. I just gave him a sort of the vibe of what each chakra represented and the sound I was going for, and we put together rhythm tracks and different instrumentation and i played guitar on it and sang and some keyboards he played some keyboards and and just we just put together really like healing music for each meditation very intentional and um it just sounds really cool and really excited and then over the music is a voice is is the voice over the guided meditation mm-hmm. for each chakra but it's 
focus is to do energy clearing. So it's how to, what I'm focusing on is what kinds of blockages manifest in the chakras and how do you recognize them? What are the patterns and how do you release them? And so the, the whole book or the book manual, audio book, maybe it's going to be, it'll be explanations of the chakras and some exercises you can do and then the guided meditations. Then there'll also be a section where you can look up specific conditions or mm-hmm. ailments and things like that and look and see which chakra to work on or which, which multiple chakras to work on. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. are, you, are you the sole author of this? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you just yeah. have help with the music, really. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've got a, um, some people, like I've got a think tank, you know, supporting mm-hmm. me and then a coach and okay. my mom edits. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's awesome. I wish I had an intern, you know, for Music Live Radio. I might have to start looking for one. Yeah. This is a lot of work I have on my business cards. Geek of all trades. What that really means is I do everything. Right. Exactly. It's <laughs> a lot of work. I wanted to talk about you. Uh, you relocated from the Bay Area to Austin. What was the reason that you moved to Austin? I reached what it felt like a ceiling in the Bay Area mm-hmm. in terms of growth. And, you know, there's it, it's an ex- expensive place to live. <laughs> that <it> is. <laughs> I, I think I wanted like a sort of a, a slower pace of life. And I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to settle down a little bit more. Um, I've come to know that settling down is not much in my nature <laughs> these days. <laughs> I like to jet set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I moved there. Um, I, want, I had a cousin that was there and some really good friends. And um, I wanted to be in warmer, warmer climate. And I um, moved to Austin to give it a shot. I was going to move back to Colorado, but I, um, there was enough pulling me to Austin that I... Was the uh, music it. scene in Austin a, a part of that draw? You know, I have to say, I've I kind of put music down for a while, and I joke with people all the time, saying, "Here I am living in the live music capital, <laughs> and I'm not really playing yeah. to any one other than the audience in my own head in my living room." <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't. You haven't really done anything, but but now with this well, uh, new book that you've worked on, you've been getting back into music. Yeah, and I have been playing at, in yoga classes. Oh, okay. So that's the main place, like uh, friends who are yoga teachers, uh, one particular friend who, who has me come to her class and I'll mm-hmm. play at the end of her class. And I've played at a, at a yoga event. And um, so I've actually, that's another aspect of the healing, of healing music that's branched off, sort of like a limb that's branched off where I'm doing a little bit of um, like Vedic chant in with guitar for for yoga okay Om Shri Maha Lakshmi Namaha Om Shri Maha Lakshmi Namaha Samasta sukeno pavantu Loka 
What's next for you? You mentioned earlier when we were talking that you might be looking to move again at some point, or what's just next for you? Colorado's always on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also have pieces of me, you know, in, in the Bay Area and in Austin and in Connecticut where my family is. And I just, I've, there's a lot in Austin for me right now. So I'm sort of I'm hanging on, yeah. hanging in there. And um, enjoying it. I'm really into cycling, riding my bike and cycling. So I've been really into that. And um, and then what's up ahead is it really is just to get is to get this book finished and the recordings and this whole project. And, um, you know, I get asked a lot if I'm ever going to record another album. And um, I feel it all the time. Like, I, yeah. I feel like I, I would like to do that. Um, I need eight more hours in every single day. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> to, to get everything done. Uh-huh. So that might be on the horizon. All right, good. I wanted to mention that your CD Glow is also available on CD Baby. Mm-hmm. Still, people can pick it up there. When you actually have three albums on there, if, I, if I'm correct, there's a relaxation CD and a meditation CD. Yeah, there's a grounding meditation and there's a bedtime relaxation. Do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Um, I'm doing a, a four day retreat in Colorado at the end of September. Okay. Um, September 29th through October 3rd. And it's a four day retreat in Boulder on energy healing, um, and hiking. 
And there's a, my website, you're welcome to visit. Again, that's www.heldinlight.com. Um, my book, and if actually if you purchase two or more copies of the book, you can get fr- the free meditation CDs come with it. Oh, okay. Good. That's on the website. And um, definitely feel free to join the free conference call every third Tuesday of the month. All right, excellent. We're going to close out this interview with another live song from Wendy DeRosa. It's called Stardust. Will you walk? 
talk with me And I'll say something funny Cause you're not laughing Since those blues, they stuck to you Yeah, yeah, they stuck to you Thanks again to Wendy DeRosa for a delightful interview and some great live music in the Music Live Radio studios. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to go check out her website, heldinlight.com, and go to CD Baby. Type in Wendy DeRosa to find her music on CD Baby. You can get her Glow album. Be very interested to hear her new book and recording project. We'll keep you posted when that comes out. The day after the interview, I also went and had a session with Wendy. It was remarkable. I really encourage people to go check out her website, learn more about intuitive energy healing, and get in on those free conference calls that are held the third Tuesday of each month. And we'll leave Wendy with the last word, a little bit about that yoga meditation song that she played towards the end of the podcast. It's in Sanskrit. That's mm-hmm. the goddess Lakshmi, an, an invocation, the goddess of abundance. And then Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu is may all beings be happy and free. That's, a very That's the nice translation. Song. <laughs>